0: If God loved me, why did He let this happen? We've asked this before.
1: We know God is all powerful. He could have prevented our pain, could have, but didn't. That's a crisis point for many. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie brings us the big picture.
0: God has made everything beautiful in His time. See, we look at the temporal, God looks at the eternal. He's looking at what He's ultimately going to do in your life, this is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, Again, you hear of the angels
1: of singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Many people ask one question when tragedy strikes. It's the one word question that reverberates in our very soul, why? Why did this have to happen? Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Maybe you've asked that question, or maybe you've tried to answer that question. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie addresses that challenge head on. When earthly answers don't satisfy, we have to look to what God tells us in His Word, truth that speaks to the heart.
0: So my grandchildren used to have a bunch of rabbits. And there was, uh, they had different names of Fuzzy and Cotton, one was named Chubby Cutie. (laughs) Which is funny because that's what my wife calls me. But um, (laughs) So back to Fuzzy and Cotton. They were a, a couple that, let's say they had, they were very successful at bringing more rabbits into the world. And uh, my granddaughter Allie came to me one day and she was in tears and she said, Papa, Fuzzy the rabbit died. And then she said, it's not fair. And uh, I assured her that Fuzzy had lived a a very long life. He had many offspring that he left behind. We counted around 80 bunnies that were left from Fuzzy. (laughs) And so this happens and of course we wonder, will we see our pets again in heaven? Well, I think it's a pretty simple answer. All dogs go to heaven, no cats do. Simple, no, no. But will we see them? I don't know. Who knows? It's possible that you might see your pet on the other side somewhere. But uh, we don't have certainty of that. But we know that uh, when heaven comes to earth and what we call the new earth that there will be animals with us, and we read about a little child leading a lion, which would be the ultimate pet, a lion. That's one cat I can get behind, right? (laughs) A lion, Uh, and so we don't know about these things, but Allie raised a good issue, and it's simply this, death is not fair. Death is harsh, it's mean, And it rips people that we love away from us. Sometimes expectedly, we know it's coming. Other times, unexpectedly. It's so hard for us to wrap our minds around the death of a child. You know, we know that grandparents are gonna definitely die, and then parents in time, and even us in time, but nobody plans or thinks through uh, the death of a child or doing a funeral service for your child. Our son Christopher He's in heaven. He's been in heaven for 14 years now, and we know we will see him again. And Kathy and I and our son Jonathan went to uh, his grave, and we reflected on his life, and we all prayed and recommitted ourselves to the calling God has put on our lives. And and you say, "Well, that's a really morbid thing to do." I mean, go to a grave and what? Well, yeah, but it's it's. It's a grounding thing to do, I'll tell you that, because it just reminds you, one day I will be here too. I've told you this before about a person who was walking through a cemetery and they saw a tombstone, and on it were inscribed these words. Pause now, stranger, as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. And a person reading that was overheard to say, to follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went, right? (laughs) The Christian can look death right in the face and not be afraid because we know death is not the end. We know there is life beyond the grave. Sure, we're realists. You know, people accuse Christians of being out of touch with reality. I think other people are out of touch with reality that don't deal with this topic head on as we ought to. Because only those who are prepared to die are really ready to live. But we're so uncomfortable with this topic. We don't even like to use the actual words. Instead of saying someone died, we'll say, well, they they passed on or Uh, Technically, you might say, well, they expired. Uh, An undertaker, we call him a mortician. A coffin is called a casket. A graveyard is a memorial park. Well, that's whatever you want to call it. It is what it is. And death is harsh. And death is mean. And death is final. And death is real. And death is not our friend. It is the enemy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And actually, God never wanted us to die. There was no death in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. There was no sickness. There was no aging. There was no need for police officers or the military or anything of that kind. There was no suffering at all. It was pure bliss, but our first parents ate of the forbidden fruit and sin entered the world and so did death. And this is a story before us now in John 11 of three people that were impacted by the death of someone they loved. We're talking about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and we're talking about when Lazarus, the brother, got sick and died. And by the way, they were inseparable. They were close siblings. Not all siblings are close. (laughs) Sometimes we have sibling rivalry, They're fighting with each other all the time, but other siblings do everything together. I remember when I first met my wife, Kathy, she wasn't my wife yet, and uh, she was at a Bible study with her two sisters. They went everywhere together, Mary, Kathy, and Dodie. And uh, so there they were sitting in front of me, and I noticed Kathy, and I noticed her because there was a light shining on her. And I realized later, Dodie was holding a flashlight over her head, so... And I noticed her and I thought, wow, there's something about this girl. I want to meet her. So I went up to all of them. Hey, how are you? I'm Greg. And and so I said, You want to go get coffee after church? And we did. And then another week passed, I saw him again. Hey, you want to go out after church and get some dessert? Sure, and we all went. And the third week I said to Kathy, hey, you want to go out after church and get some dessert? She said, Sure, I'll get my sisters. I said, I don't want your sisters. <laughs> I just want you. And thus our relationship began, but uh, they did everything together. And so did Mary, Martha and Lazarus, a tight knit family.
1: It's great to have you join us today for a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, Pastor Greg is offering insights on the resurrection of Lazarus recorded in John chapter 11. It's a message called Power Over Death.
0: Let's see what happened to Lazarus. Uh, John 11, I'm starting in verse one. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters said to him, saying, Behold, he whom you love is sick. So we'll stop there. What do we learn from this story? Point number one, if you're taking notes, life is filled with pain and sorrow and the death of loved ones. Is that not the most depressing point of all time? But is it not true? Sorry, that I have to be the one to break this to you in case you don't know it. But life is filled with the pain, death, and sorrow of loved ones. Now, when you're younger, this is hard to wrap your mind around but you see people dying and and it starts to settle in that one day this will happen to you as well, so this is what we see. And when tragedy comes in our life or we lose a loved one, we say, why me? Why is this happening to me? But it's ultimately gonna happen to everyone, including you. In fact, we're told in 1 Peter four 12, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which will try you as though some strange thing is happening to you. So we have to accept this fact, but that brings me to point number two, God loves us. God loves us. Don't rush over that. Don't misunderstand it. Let it sink in. God loves you. I want you to say this out loud. God loves me. Go. It's true. Do you believe that? God loves you. Okay, so no matter what you're facing right now, don't forget this simple fact. Therefore, what he does or allows to happen in your life as his child is motivated by his everlasting love for you. God loves you. Therefore, whatever he does or allows to happen in your life as his child is motivated by his everlasting love for you. I'm interested in what Mary and Martha do. Now remember, Lazarus is still alive, but he's very sick. They know this is serious. So they send word to Jesus, the one that you love is sick, in verse three. Another translation of the same statement is, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And this is an excellent example of what we need to do when we are in crisis. We are not here to tell God what he should do, but we are here to tell him about our problem and say, Lord, here's my problem, and they describe it to Jesus. Call on the Lord. There's nothing wrong with asking God to help you. Nothing wrong with asking God to deliver you. In fact, you should do it, because in the book of James it says you have, not because you ask not. Now God may deliver you from your problem, and he may simply walk with you through your problem, but bring it before the Lord. Psalm 46, one reminds us that Jesus is a very present help in times of trouble. A present help. Now, they could have said, now look Lord, you owe us. We fed you and your disciples a lot of times. You see, Jesus and his boys would often frequent the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus could legitimately say, Jesus is our friend. You see, they lived in Bethany, and Bethany is striking distance from Jerusalem. So as Christ would make his way into the city, he would just stop by. I wonder if he came by unannounced. He certainly couldn't text Martha. Hey, Martha, how's it going? Uh, We're on our way into Jerusalem, man, are we hungry? And we all know what a great cook you are could you make something for a shirt? come on in, Lord. And then they would all come. They probably all went into the kitchen together. Why is it that in our homes, everyone wants to hang around in the kitchen? You might even have a proper living room that no one ever uses. The most worthless room in a home, the living room. We all want to be in the kitchen because that's where the action is, right? Isn't this making you hungry right now? because that's where the food is. And everyone, people are leaning up against the stove and the clothes are catching on fire, but the food's there. It's good, right? So they could have said, Lord, we we fed you so many times, you kind of owe us. It's time to reciprocate. But they didn't do anything like that. They just said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. They didn't even say the one that loves you is sick. They said the one that you love is sick. They weren't even appealing on the basis of their love for Him. They were appealing on the basis of His love for them. Let's pick the story up, John 11, verse four. When Jesus heard about it, He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now, don't miss this verse. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, He stayed where He was for the next two days. I'd underline that, actually. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. He loved them, so he waited. That doesn't make sense. We would expect that verse to say, because Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he got on the back of the fastest horse and rode to them. Or hey, in the case of Christ, he could have just moved there, just... Boom! here I am. Or he could have spoken the word. He didn't even have to go to them. He could have spoken the word and said, Lazarus, you are healed. But none of this happened. He delayed his arrival. Why? Listen, because he loved Lazarus. Now we think this is a contradiction. If Jesus really loved Lazarus, why didn't he immediately go and heal him? And in the same way, when hardship, tragedy, or even death come into our lives, we wonder if God really loved me, why did he let this happen, right? We've asked this before. If God loved me, why did he let this happen? It's hard to see through eyes that are filled with tears. And the point that we need to see in all of this is not why it's happened, but remember God is in control. And also remember that his delays are not necessarily his denials. A verse I love, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has made everything beautiful in his time. See, we look at the small picture, God looks at the big picture. We look at the temporal, God looks at the eternal. See, I'm an artist of sorts, more of a cartoonist, if you want to call that an artist. I like to think of myself as an advanced doodler. But I like to draw, there's a piece of paper near me and a pen, I'll start drawing, I can't stop myself. And people will say, do a caricature of me. Now a caricature by its very definition is an exaggeration of something. And so someone says, draw me, I'll look at them and I see them in a certain way. As something of an artist and also as someone with a warped sense of humor. And I might see flaws, like oh wow, your ears are quite big so in the drawing I do of you, your ears are gonna be gigantic. And that's what a caricature is. That's why I never do caricatures of girls. Because <laughs> I'll draw a girl, I'll make her perfect, flawless, so cute and adorable. She'll say, I don't look like that. But guys, I'm brutal, man. I just, yeah, I'm going to go for it. It's meant to make you laugh, right? So even before I begin to draw, I might start laughing. You don't see anything in the paper, but I see it in my imagination. I know what I'm going to do. So God is drawing a picture of our life. He does a stroke here, uh, a line there. And we say, I don't, what is this? I don't see what it's gonna be. The Lord says, you're gonna like it. Wait till it's done. We're a work in progress. He's looking at what he's ultimately going to do in your life.
1: Pastor Greg Laurie is presenting his message called Power Over Death. And obviously, there's more to come from this study here on A New Beginning. Next time, join us for more helpful encouragement on reaching out to the Lord in our times of trial and tragedy. This is the day, the day when life begins. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Power Over Death.